We have some questionable hacks for if you're not able to get an Airbnb. Uh, I think Brian came up with this one. If you need to heat something up and you don't have a microwave and you're in a hotel, sanitize first, but you can use your iron. Hi there, veggie mates. You just heard from this week's world traveling vegan guest, Seika Majua. I'm your host, Matthew Davey, and this is episode number 62 of the Veg Talk podcast. Welcome back to the regular listeners and welcome to those of you who are tuning in for the first time today. It's great to have you here. I really do appreciate the time that you're giving up to tune in and I hope you enjoy today's show. If you are new, my partner Anna and I have been to a few different countries this year interviewing a heap of amazing people who are leading the plant-based and vegan movement. So you've got another 60 plus episodes at your disposal uh, with one new coming out every Saturday morning, including the video versions on YouTube. If you've enjoyed a show or two and would like to help us out, the easiest way to do that is by leaving a rating and review through the Apple Podcast application on iPhone. I can't really stress how much this really does help. We reach more people around the globe uh, by becoming more visible in the podcast charts online. It's free and it only takes a couple of minutes to do. So let us know which episode you really enjoyed, where you're from, and why you recommend uh, others to tune into the show. Uh, thanks to everyone that's done this already. We really do appreciate your help. And as we speak, we've received 98 ratings from around the world. Uh, I'll check back in with you all next week to see if we got to crack the 100 mark. That would be pretty exciting. So that's enough from me. I hope uh, you're all well and ready for today's show. Our guest is Seika Majua, and we're chatting about her journey to veganism, traveling around the world as vegans, working with restaurants to help them with their vegan options, and also an amazing place in Thailand called the Elephant Nature Park. We cover the places that Seika and her husband, Brian, found challenging, and the places that they also love for plant-based food on their trip. You can find Seika on Instagram at For Goodness Sakes, and that's S E Y K S. It's a bit of a play on her name, and also on YouTube at the same name. I hope you enjoy the show and come away with some helpful info for your next time away from home. And as always, I'll chat to you on the other side to wrap things up. All right, cool. So we are here today in our new apartment in Portland, Oregon. It's our first time having a guest here, so we're pretty psyched for that. We've got Seika Majua with us today from, for goodness sakes, if you, if you follow on Instagram, uh, you've, you know, you've built up a bit of a following. So welcome to the, to the show. Thank you so much. This is a lovely space that you're in. I'm really glad to get to meet you. Yeah, no, likewise. It's been a, it feels like a long time coming. I think Seika was probably, you know, one of the first people to reach out and say like, hey, we, I'd love to come on the show, have a conversation, let you know what we're, what we're up to. And uh, at that point, we were in Boston. I think you guys were out in California. And I kind of just said, I'm sure we'll link up at some point in the future. So yeah, really, really happy. Um, yeah, we could make it happen. Yeah, bring it full circle. I'm all about just making those vegan connections and yep. trying to get the word out and uh, bring a real positivity to this whole movement. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, what you've been doing totally reflects uh, exactly what you've just said. So getting into it, I would love to, I would love to hear a little bit about yourself, like where you grew up um, and yeah, just what it was like, like, you know, your, your typical childhood, 
uh, and your relationship with food uh, back in the day? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I born and raised in California. Most of my family is here in California and, or there in California. We're not in California now. And we, I was raised with a traditional standard American diet. I think my mom leaned a little bit more into holistic medical practices. Um, you know, we had a chiropractor and things like that, but veganism, vegetarianism just wasn't even on the radar. So, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, my, my favorite foods growing up were probably baby back ribs and steak. Uh, I love cheese and mac and cheese and all those things. Those were my favorite foods and uh, loved sushi growing up. So definitely had a very animal product centric style of eating. And I also was an animal lover from the beginning. When I was in elementary school, they would say, if you couldn't find Seika, she was probably like, oh, my elementary school had animals. It was strange. But they would say, if you can't find Seika, she's probably overplaying with the animals. So it wasn't until I uh, got a little bit older and started to see those two things really conflict, that I loved animals and I also was participating in, in killing them and not just killing them personally. Death isn't that offensive to me. I understand it as part of life and knowing that people and animals die, that by itself isn't, isn't offensive. I, I'm okay with death. Uh, sometimes it's beautiful, sometimes it's really sad and all of that is good. What is really offensive to me is uh, killing in infancy, raising creatures for the sole purpose of being killed, uh, the horror in how they are raised. So that even that even life is living in hell before a really painful death. So that that's what's really offensive to me. And then of course the the awful impact on on the planet and human health. And it just goes on from there, right? Social injustice that comes from the animal product industry. So once I realized that those two things were in conflict and was able to dictate my diet on my own, uh, I really started to align my actions with my values which I think is kind of that's the switch for a lot of people a lot of people have the same values and it's the tough part is aligning your actions with those values yeah definitely I think and you know tell me if you disagree but a lot of us do have you know love for animals just naturally we we gravitate towards you know chilling out with our dog or or cat or uh, you know, watching wildlife documentaries on, on TV and, and thinking how beautiful they are and amazing they are in their own right. But then for dinner, it's steak or, you know, mac and cheese or whatever. And we don't really tie those two together. Was there a moment or something you watched or read that really pushed you in that direction to make you, yeah, understand that connection between yeah, the animals that you really liked hanging out with, but then were also eating. Was there something in particular? Yeah, so it happened in two waves. So the first time that I went vegan, I was in middle school. And it was really, I didn't know the word vegan. I didn't know, uh, I mean, this was back in like 2005, 
yeah, 2005. And uh, I didn't ever hear about it and had no awareness of it. And I did a middle school, my eighth grade's like science project was on mad cow disease. And that took me into going, okay, where does mad cow disease come from? Okay, the research is saying it's from cows eating meat. Wait, why would cows eat meat? And then you start looking at the footage. Oh, wow, they're grinding up the leftover parts of cows and feeding it back to cows. So that's causing this horrible like uh, DNA breakdown that now gives people mad cow disease, spon uh, bovine spongiform encephalopathy, right? Where our brains degenerate. Anyway. That's a really, tough... Uh, right, it's a mouthful. Tough word to say, yeah. So that took me down a path of seeing how the animals were treated and I, I became vegan. Now, at that time, I also was struggling with a really severe eating disorder. So I was hospitalized like five times for anorexia. I had a lot of uh, heart problems. It was a really, really difficult time. And at that time, and, and still now in a lot of ways, uh, the eating disorder community, the eating disorder recovery community looked at veganism as a manifestation of anorexia, right? Fear of all food, you're afraid of food, you're, you really just want to avoid food and you'll come up with a lot of reasons to avoid different foods. Uh, and and I, my diet was taken away from me because I was being irresponsible with it, right? And landing myself in the hospital. And so I, I didn't have the choice to be, to be vegan at that time. And uh, so doctors and my mom and all of that were like, vegan's not an option. Now, there are some eating disorder recovery programs that do embrace a vegan lifestyle, which I think is incredible. Uh, and that's really, really exciting to see them moving into that space too. And, and understanding that, that while there can be overlap, there also is space to have a really healthy relationship with food and uh, that, that veganism isn't about a diet, it's about a lifestyle, right? So anyway, I, I digress, but mm. uh, the second time I came around to it is when I watched Vegucated, the documentary. Have you seen that one? I, I did see it, and we also met a guy. Oh, I've forgotten his name. We met a guy at like a New York, um, D Demarius Bagley, I think his name is. And uh, yeah, we met him in line at like some food fest, and he worked for that documentary. Amazing. Yeah. I love that documentary. Different documentaries strike different people. And for whatever reason, that was the one for me that, that really I kind of went, oh, I can do this again. And came back around to it and went, yep, like it felt like everything kind of clicked for me. So that was the kicker the second time. Cool, cool. Yeah, it's a good documentary. That They focus on what, this group of like students, right? That... Um they is, pick, there, is there a group that experiments pick, with veganism and one that doesn't? Or they pick like that? people from the community. So it's kind of a wide variety. I think there's like a, a young woman who's still living with her family. So I don't remember if she was in high school or just graduated high school or something like that. And then a mother of a family. And then uh, some, some guy. I think, there were, I think there were three people. Or Anyway, they follow them through the process while they're educating you. Uh, they, they follow them through the process of transitioning to a vegan diet and kind of talk to them about the struggles that they're going through and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a really, it's a kind of a, a journey that you follow. Uh, I, I liked it. It was, a, it was a really cool documentary. Ref, referring back to, you know, the community in... Um, that suffer from eating disorders. I can understand how, especially from like, uh, like the parents' point of view, that maybe veganism sounds like restrictive. Mm -hmm. 
and that it only exacerbates the you know the the disorder that the the person is suffering from what has been your experience coming out of recovery yourself and yeah i suppose seeing it become a part of i suppose seeing them being intertwined more yeah rather than being oh that doesn't sound like the right thing to to do for for my daughter or my my son who is suffering from you know it might be what anorexia bulimia or whatever it might be yeah what has been your experience tying those two together yeah great question so part of the trouble with anorexia and bulimia is a really disordered uh, emotional and physical connection to food the goal is to have a healthy relationship with food where food's not scary you're able to love your body you're able to treat your body with health and well-being at this point with my understanding of how to live a healthy life eating a plant-based diet is necessarily in line with living healthy so i would say that all of the same teachings of of creating a healthy relationship with food can happen in a plant-based lifestyle i don't think that the two conflict at all I do understand completely where that concern comes from. Because when you see a little girl who's terrified of all food, uh, making, wanting to break any sort of restriction uh, is, is the goal, right? So I get where that comes from, but in the same way that you wouldn't want to tell somebody who has an eating disorder to live on Snickers bars, because it's going to make them feel horrible right? You want a healthy relationship with your body. That's the goal. Healthy relationship with the body doesn't mean eating carrots all day. doesn't mean eating Snickers all day, right? And so finding where that healthy balance is, I think can be 100% connected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you bring up some, some really good points, like from a more, more well-rounded approach, we have to recognize how bad some of the foods that we've become, become comfortable with some of the foods that we see as like, you know what it's like not just eating disorders but say like someone's at sick or at the hospital you know in the world i grew up in it's kind of like oh you know they're having a, a rough time like give them these comfort foods but now what we're seeing is those exact comfort foods are the foods that make us feel bad they're not good for our health and it's just this weird kind of circle right. so in what you were saying a whole food plant-based diet done correctly totally aligns with someone who has yeah a, a problem with the emotional side of eating because it's going to make them feel better uh, it's going to make them healthier i suppose develop a new relationship with what it means to to fuel your body i suppose right exactly yeah. and to to kind of bring up this point again uh, in the eating, eating disorder recovery community we try not to categorize foods as good and bad right so when i want ice cream I eat ice cream and like if that's what my body's craving, I don't try to eat ice cubes instead, right? Or eat, uh, make some really, really healthy food. If, if what I'm craving is something cold, maybe I'll have an ice cream. But if what I really want is a chocolate, chocolate cookie dough, you know, high fat, high calorie ice cream, then that's what my body needs right then. So I want to embrace that. 
Uh, so the, I think the difference we would want to, to make is that all, all plant-based foods are great, regardless of, you know, some days you might want some vegan junk food and that's great. That's what we need to bring up in, in the vegan community. Now, if you have an ethical objection to food, that food can be bad. That's not food, right? That, those are animal products and that doesn't need to be part of your diet. Um, and so it's kind of creating the space for all food to be good and animal products aren't food. No, definitely. I mean, that's, I can agree with that from, yeah, the, the animal perspective. I mean, it's funny how when you embrace a plant-based diet or veganism, whatever you want to call it, how you just, you don't see it as food anymore. Cause you get a lot of, you feel a lot of questions like, oh, do you miss bacon? Do you miss burgers? Do you, you know, do you miss animal products more or less? And it's just the way you see it becomes totally different. Totally different. It's, no, it's not, it's not a food item to me. It's not something that I want to put in my body. Right. So yeah, it's a, I suppose a transition the world what you're talking about is going to benefit the world in terms of transitioning away from animal products by just, yeah, not worrying so much about like if it's, yeah, the most healthful whole food plant-based bowl versus if you want to go out and have a vegan burger or a, a donut or it's there. If you miss that, it's there for you. It's going to help you to, to, progress and, and stay on the diet as well right or the lifestyle exactly yeah. exactly and i mean uh, to take this one one step further we're getting into the details but yeah, i think yeah. it's really fun so uh i think that eating a lot of animal products especially for people who have already had an ethical objection to eating them breaks a connection with their intuition right? They go, I don't want to eat that. And then if the community tells them, no, you need to, you're, you're breaking a connection that they have with their intuition. And uh, that's really offensive to me. Uh, I think that being able to kind of be in touch with the oneness of the universe and uh, kind of letting all living beings live in a healthy life, uh, you know, with the pursuit of, of living a normal, healthy life, whatever that is for that being is really important. So breaking that intuition is is leading people down a path of disordered eating. So if you go, what's that quote? If you uh, give a give a toddler an apple and a pig, if it kills the pig and plays with the apple, I'll give you a million dollars, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you see these videos on YouTube of people explaining to kids what they're eating and they break down in tears and say, I don't want to do that. Right. And so we're, we're getting really practiced in breaking that intuition that we have of caring for creatures and just considering them food instead. And so I think that having a healthy relationship with, with our food and knowing our food is for nourishment and it's not causing harm is really, really important for healthy eating as well. Definitely. Yeah. The video I've, I've been tagged in a few of those videos on like, you know, social media where, it's, it's amazing to see like when a, a young child understands that, you know, they've been told by their parents that, yeah, the, the lamb chop that we're having for dinner is actually the same lamb or animal that you read in like a nursery rhyme or that we went and saw at a farm or whatever. 
yeah, they break down in tears and yep. they don't, I don't want to eat that anymore, mum. I don't want to eat animals anymore. And then it's kind of funny watching parents dig a little bit. Oh, why don't you want to eat the animals anymore? And they're, they're my friends. Why, why would I, why would I want to eat them? So yeah, that, that's some serious, we learn to put that aside and then for people that make the switch later in life, I think they relearn this connection. And I think that's where the passion comes from. I think that's where uh, a lot of vegans are misunderstood in terms of dividing anger and passion. It becomes, oh, they're angry vegans. I can understand also from the other perspective that they come across that way. It's, I suppose it's just this boil over of, of passion for, for something they i'd feel very strongly about so i can understand both um yeah both viewpoints but for the most part i think vegans are are coming from a a side of compassion even if they're um coming across as yeah full-on aggressive yep yeah so anyway moving moving out of your you know journey into veganism i'd love to hear a little bit about more more recent kind of events so We've got your husband here, uh, Brian, today as well, and you guys have been on a serious adventure over the past six months, seven months. You've been back for a little bit, but um, yeah, it looked incredible, and I'd love for you to just fill us in. So a bit, a bit about the why, like why you wanted to go out into the world and, and show people um, your travels, uh, and then your experience, what actually, what actually happened out there. Yeah, absolutely. So... We, we, we hear a lot of really interesting things. When people hear that we're vegan at parties or things like that, we hear a lot of, oh, I really want to be vegan, but, and I really like to listen to those buts. I could have said that better. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so a lot of the issues that we would hear is, right, so one of the more common ones, I'd love to be vegan, but cheese, which used to be a very real argument cheese was so gross back in the day and now it's amazing and it's infinitely healthier for you than drinking uh cow secretions but it's um it's so anyway so i think that we've got that one checked off now and there are the most incredible cheeses coming out all the time and new brands that are amazing. So I love to talk to people about that one. Another big one was, I'd love to be vegan, but I travel. Or, but I can't do it because it's too difficult in my city. And a lot of those things felt felt like non-issues to us, right? If you figure out how to kind of conceptualize a vegan lifestyle, it actually becomes quite simple. Every place I've ever been has vegan staples, rice, beans, vegetables of some sort, fruits, uh, you know, hummus. There are, you might have to put a little bit more effort into it, but you can totally get around. But saying that isn't as powerful as showing it. And we also had a real desire to connect the vegan community. I think we're right at the start 
of this incredible launch where people are starting to really get on board and uh, there's still time to, to get in before it's old news and everybody's vegan. You can be part, part of the kind of group that, that you know, started this movement. And we wanted to be able to really connect the vegan community because there are these incredible people all over the world that are interested in it or already creating ways for people to find out about veganism. So we went to 21 countries and we started in Japan and kind of worked our way back, uh, mostly in one direction, but a little bit north and south, mostly, and worked our way back to the States. And went through Asia, Africa, the Middle East, and Europe, uh, and then, of course, through some of the States when we got back. Now, it looked like an amazing journey. You guys took some epic photos Still sharing them. Yes. It was funny when um, I think you reached out, yeah, not too long ago about coming to Portland. And I was like, I wonder where they're coming from. It's like... <laughs> Tel Aviv? Yeah. No, I'm just yeah. still posting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, some really cool photos. Now, what I want to know, I suppose, is some of the like, I suppose some of the unforeseen challenges, maybe places that you expected something a little different to what you got. Some places that were just outright challenging and some places that were you know amazing in terms of in terms of vegan options vegan community that kind of thing so if you yeah want to take us through yeah. your experience there so with the you wanted challenges and then really cool stuff I'd, I'd love to hear challenges that were just like outright difficult yeah places that were the opposite so like super easy um you know enjoyable communities amazing foods amazing but i'd love to also hear places that you thought would be different to how they actually were yes yeah okay so the first one that comes to mind is japan now japan we expected a lot of meat uh but did not expect as much cheese so cheese and dairy was big in japan and we didn't expect that so uh that was really interesting it also because japan Everything is written in Japanese. Uh, it, it's such a lovely place. Japan's so lovely. We ran into some tough spots being vegan. Now, their vegan community is so rich that uh, we were able to get connected with a lot of the vegan community, and they helped us out so much because Google Translate wasn't working, and some really funny things would come up. Like, for example, there can be beef curry chicken curry and vegetable curry. So you'd think vegetable curry sounds like I can eat it as long as it doesn't have milk in it. Well, no, it just means it has vegetables in it. It can also have meat in it. So that one was really, was really funny. Got a, you have to order off a vegan menu and probably carry around a little card that explains in Japanese. And even then you're like, I hope I, I hope this says what I think it says because they're looking at me confused. So that was a that was a funny one. Uh, there were some places that we ran into some really strange things. For example, when we were in Singapore, we were drinking orange juice, and Brian, my husband, turned and looked I, just out of curiosity at the sugar content, and noticed that it had milk in it. Just orange juice, not orange drink, not orange Julius. It was just regular orange juice, and it had milk in it. In a bottle. That's 
extremely strange yeah so now we're like okay so nothing's safe right you know you don't think you have to check orange juice but it was made by a dairy company and so my our our hypothesis is because dairy dairy sales are plummeting they're having to like push it into other foods because they've got so much product anyway dairy is definitely the one that even as a vegan you can slip up on quite easily unfortunately like (laughs) so Anna knows exactly where I'm going with this so I was away in New York and um yeah I was doing a marathon out there but Anna was home here in Portland and I think one night she was making pasta and she's like I think when we're away from each other we kind of we go out and indulge a little bit so (laughs) I think it's just a thing we do we go out and you know, we here and there we'll get we'll get the items that we don't usually get together. We try and stay as healthy as possible. And she bought the Go Veggie mozzarella cheese. Okay. So Go Veggie yeah. is a company. They that make the good parmesan. They make the parmesan yeah, yeah. exactly right. That is vegan. So you think, okay, I've bought this brand before. It's good. So she went out, got the mozzarella, and she started. She was eating it. She was like, this tastes <laughs> like, you know, different to other vegan cheeses I've had. But just put it at the back of her mind. She's like, no, I'm overthinking it. Ate the pasta and actually started to feel, you know, the, oh, yeah, the, I know. the implications <laughs> yep. of what it's like to have dairy after not having dairy for so long. And I got home. Oh, I can't remember if she told me or if I got home, but she, she was just like, yeah, just it felt horrible. So did you feel that? I'm still perplexed that it was in orange juice, but did you feel that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm hungover for like two or three days. Like my stomach aches. It, it, every once in a while it'll happen and I feel my stomach react and I'm like, I have no idea what it was in, but there must have been dairy in something. Like they snuck in somewhere because I can feel it. And it's awful. I would have done the exact same thing because go veggie, I have their cheese. I wouldn't have thought. Also another another trap we've fallen into. This was a couple few years ago, but uh, Trader Joe's has a lactose-free almond cheese. That's what it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, Same yeah, thing. Yeah. Lact- is lactose-free. Yeah, lactose-free, right. but Which it still has they dairy. They remove the lactose from cow milk and you're mm-hmm. like, well, then how does it still hurt my stomach? Excuse me. But yeah. apparently it does. So yeah, that that's so frustrating. Same, similar thing. So in Egypt... We'd been in uh, Cairo for a while and then came down to Luxor. And I had been asking every time, every time I get a chance, right, I ask for an alt milk. Even in these places like Tanzania and Egypt where alt milk doesn't really exist, I just keep asking for it because might as well make the vote, right? Even though I know I'm not going to get it. So finally... We're at a hotel and they say, yes, we have an alt milk. We have soy milk. It's vegan. I'm like, amazing. I get to have some milk in my coffee. That's so great. They go out, uh, bring it back. Go, oh, yeah, we have soy milk, especially for this. Pour it in my coffee. I take a sip. It tastes like soy milk, but it also very much tastes like dairy. And I'm like, are you sure this is soy milk? They're like, absolutely. Can you bring me the carton? They bring it says soy milk on the front and like the second ingredient is heavy cream. No, it's wild. And I, to sum all of what you've set up, couldn't agree with you more. I think it's the fact that the dairy industry is really struggling um, 
in terms of in terms of sales uh, worldwide and i think it yeah i think it's just making its way into as much food as they can possibly get into um it's the one thing that pops up time and time again whether it's whey protein whether it's dairy it it sneaks its way into foods that you you wouldn't really be thinking about otherwise um which is a bit of a bugger but um yeah kind and of crazy in fact, actually in the portland vegans facebook group somebody i joined right before we came up because i was like yep. let's let's get connected and the somebody posted like what's your favorite snack that you can't put down and somebody posted in it well this used to be and the recent box that i found has milk in it so they added so it used to not have milk in it and they start so i'm like well now you can't even trust the foods that you usually have, you got to mm. double check those. So it's a complicated world we live in. Crazy. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm the rigid one in terms of like turning labels around, looking. And I was like, it'll be fine. Stop worrying so much, yada, yada, yada. But yeah, I hate, I, I just don't want it in my body. Like that's the reason it's, um, I, I find it seriously gross now. Like I, I really don't want it in my body. And there were times that, uh, we had along our trip I think we were in Mexico we went to a Walmart and we were yeah it was we were hungry so this Walmart had a food court kind of area and we we're like okay what can we get what's going to be like the safe option so like beans and rice let's let's look for beans and rice so we didn't really even think about it because you know rice in Mexico is usually I'd say 99.9% of the time the safest option you're going to get um this walmart definitely put dairy they put butter in their in their rice when they were cooking it as soon as you uh, as soon as you had a bite you could taste this yeah dairy taste i suppose i hadn't had it in a long time and it was definitely the strongest um dairy taste i'd experienced since removing it from my diet but it hung around in my mouth for ages mm -hmm. I just couldn't get rid of it. it. It didn't matter if I had a coffee or whatever. It was there all day. Gut started to feel horrible. Um, so there, yeah. I suppose we're making it sound like travel is difficult. But all in all, we found everywhere we went to be uh, to be quite quite simple. You just had to be conscious of yeah of what you were what you were eating. So cool. So there's some of the kind of interesting experiences you had how about yeah how about the hardest place what was the hardest place all around rather than just like products here and there that tripped you up yeah so it's kind of a strange answer um and it might have had to do kind of with my psychology at the time we were we, we went to vietnam and we only went to hanoi and Hanoi's a huge city, really densely populated. Some other travelers that we met up with were like, said that Taiwan was like Asia light and Vietnam was like Asia heavy, right? <laughs> so that was definitely my experience. I had some culture shock and just the way that the city worked was a little tough for me. There's so much honking and the driving and, uh, so many people and we went to a nice vegetarian restaurant 
because you, usually we were really trying to pinch pennies and all of that as we were going. We were on a trip for a long time. Uh, but it had been such a tough... I had, was having such a tough time in Vietnam. We were like, let's take it easy. We're not going to push ourselves to go to every spot we want to and we'll just take it easy. So at one point we went to a nice vegetarian restaurant and they had almost nothing that was vegan. It, nothing was marked vegan, first of all. And then a lot of things had milk in it. Now, this was also confusing because heading into Asia, we thought there's a high rate of lactose intolerance in Asia and they don't have it in a lot of their food, but we were very wrong. So there is now a lot of, of uh, dairy in Asia. And they, we asked our waitress to be sure, right? Because now I'm, I'm kind of afraid of dairy because it makes me really sick. So I, it's more than just the psychological impact that I have, which is just as serious. I realized that. The, I just did a, uh, side note, I just did a PSA with an amazing man named Tony Segal. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. Sorry if not, Tony. Uh, and it's, it's exactly what happens in my brain when I think about dairy, think about consuming dairy, right? I see those videos of how the cows are treated and I have a very strong psychological reaction. It's a really cool PSA. Um, but, so I have a very strong psychological reaction. I have a physical reaction. I'm just like, I'm so, so anti-dairy. And there's one thing on the menu that looks like maybe it can be, it's a curry soup. So we ask to have, the, we clarify, this is made with coconut milk or something like that, not dairy. And she says, yes, that's, that's true. So she brings us the soup and I have a sip and I don't taste coconut at all. Which pretty intense kind of flavor, you know, when it's, yeah, you know, when it's, it's coconut, it's yeah. a cream soups. So like what else did you make it with if it's not coconut? And so Brian goes and asks one of the people working right around the kitchen area, how that soup is made. And he goes, yeah, it's made from heavy cream. And we, and so then I have to talk to the waitress again and I'm trying to explain like this, this is make going to make me sick and like my heart's broken, <laughs> you know, like how do you, how do you co communicate that? So that, so Vietnam was tough in, in that way, a few different times where we thought we were getting something vegan and tr tried to make it clear, which is tough with the language barrier. Uh, and, and it just, it didn't turn out that way. And so that was Vietnam surprisingly was one of the tougher places. Now we have a very good friend who's gone to Vietnam and speaks Vietnamese, which is much very helpful uh, and he was in Da Nang and he had epic vegan food for every meal so maybe we just did it wrong or the place because I mean cities are different as right. well you exactly. go from city to city and it uh, it can be a huge change um, yeah just something from our experience as well what we found was so we went to the Philippines and uh, we haven't really spoken a heap about our travels in terms of yeah our experience because, you know, we're normally talking with, with guests, but I feel like we can kind of have a yeah. discussion here because we're both recently been traveling and, and obviously on a vegan diet. So uh, in the Philippines, we were told that the province that we were going to was going to be really difficult. And we didn't, we, firstly, we didn't think about it because we we're like, okay, the Philippines, our vision was kind of tropical fruit, um, you know, lots of 
yeah, lots of at least whole food plant-based options would be available. And we met this vegan couple in Bali and they'd just been to the exact province that we were going to and they said it was really, really difficult to, uh, to eat out, to eat on the go and they were eating. So shout out to if you follow Free Oversea okay. on Instagram, uh, Patricia and Miguel. They were eating Oreo and peanut butter sandwiches. And we were, I looked at Anna. We were, this is before we were going. So I was like, I really don't want to be doing that. Like that, that, <laughs> yeah. that as, as indulging as that sounds, I don't want to go there. So <laughs> it, it was going to be my kind of, uh, yeah, I was going to make sure that did not happen. What we found to be the most helpful thing when traveling to places that were going to be a little dicey in terms of, um, yeah, options out, get an Airbnb that has a kitchen because then at least you are in power of what you're cooking. Even if it is kind of bland, like we were sometimes eating like, um, I think they're bean curd noodles, I think. It's called Pancit Beyond. Um, that with cabbage, carrot, soy sauce, potatoes like Sounds on the good. side yeah it did the job it did the job after after a few weeks it got a little uh, lean yeah. yeah we weren't enjoying it so much but that was the thing that was how we could control eating a little healthier than a, a oreo peanut butter sandwich and also making 100 percent sure that it was vegan just go to a market find what you can bring it home and and cook it one place we went to didn't have a kitchen but they would cook for you we reached out to them on Airbnb beforehand and asked, hey, and that's another thing I think as vegans you've got to be good at is just asking the question. Don't be so afraid because if, you, if you're not asking the question, you can't expect people to just kind of like know by telepathy. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. So we asked these guys. They were more than happy to help. They cooked all the dishes vegan. They were interested as well, to be honest. They were asking us some questions, uh, which was cool at the, at the dinner table. Um, so that would be my two cents on traveling to places that are just, you know, not going as you'd like, or if you've heard that they're not friendly is, is try and get an Airbnb with a kitchen. That was the longest way of saying get an Airbnb with the kitchen, but it really did make a huge difference for us. Now, what was the, the peak place? What was like when you got there? It was just incredible. What what was that place in the world? Okay, so uh, there were so many. So first of all, that's good I to hear. Say, so yeah, that's really good to hear. I want to yeah. say, even though there were places that were a little tough, uh, Egypt, like people don't don't eat a vegan diet. Tanzania, people, you know, that's not part of what they're focused on there. And even in those places, it was great. It was wonderful. We figured it out and we used those same tricks. Either get an Airbnb. We have some questionable hacks for if you're not able to get an Airbnb. Uh, I think Brian came up with this one. If you need to heat something up and you don't have a microwave and you're in a hotel, sanitize first, but you can use your iron. So Tell us more. Tell us more. Yeah. So we've definitely toasted bread with a clothes iron. <laughs> To make avocado toast. That's real. Yep. You can heat some stuff up with an iron, turn it on high, just leave it on there for a little while, you know, make a panini. Yep. Wow. Yeah. 
no Panini shame. press. Yeah, there you go. So uh, we also, we're big on garlic. So yeah. we actually pa- packed a fair amount. We didn't pack much, but we did pack a fair amount of garlic powder on our trip. Okay. And so that's fun if you want to spice something up yep. and you're making you know bland food in your hotel room or your Airbnb, uh, you can make really delicious food that way. So that's what we ended up doing. If we got to a place we knew was going to be tough, we'd, you know, depending on what sort of place it is, sometimes they have roadside fruit stands or actual Mm -hmm. markets and just go and start there. So that way you're not anxious. You're not going to get food and you're just exploring the cuisine, right? You know, you got food back at home. You've got your panini press, you're solid, and <laughs> you just, you're just going out to, to explore the food for fun. So those are some of the things that we found made it really easy, even in the tough places. Yeah. Uh, also, like getting some coconut cream, oatmeal. Now you only need to boil water, and Brian would make this really delicious oatmeal where he had oatmeal with coconut cream, banana, and peanut butter, right? So those are all things you can find almost anywhere. It's really delicious and it's high calorie. You're getting those healthy fats. You, you're able to like really nourish yourself and feel like you got a filling meal. So those are some of the fun things. That They're we, good hacks. Yeah. They're, well, the iron, <laughs> that is genius. Like I've never heard anything like that before. <laughs> never. Like that, that is amazing. When you were like, we've got some questionable hacks. I was like, what, what could they possibly <laughs> Yeah. Have. Okay. And iron. That's cool. Yeah. If we do find ourselves in a place that is a struggle, I want to implement it. Yeah. I want to. Please tag me. I want to at least give it a go. Please like, tag me in your Instagram story. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. If we had. I, I haven't ironed my clothes in five years since I moved away from home. Can't be bothered. Honestly. No. No. Ironing is not a thing for me. So we don't. I would. I'd be using the iron today if we had one. Yeah. Like <laughs> I want to test this. That I want to test this out. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, yeah, love. Uh, one thing that you, you just brought up there, I think we do have this anxiety around being fed. Like we're going to go starving or something. But you've just got to, I think you've got to be patient. You've got to, you know, just know that, that there's going to be something that you'll be able to eat during the day. But we do have this anxiety around like when our next yep. meal is going to be. You know, if we're not eating at 12 o'clock or one o'clock at lunchtime, are we going to survive until three o'clock? It's like, yeah, you'll be fine then. Like just, just graze. Like you, you'll find, you'll find something in a market or right. um, a restaurant. Yeah. Don't stress so bad yeah. on, on, on that aspect. Um, but that's cool. Favorite places. Favorite pl- Yeah. So what the, the easiest one that we, that we say is we went to Taipei, Taiwan, and nobody talks about it. And it's a vegan heaven. And there's so many expats living there. And I think that's because people go and they realize it's so inexpensive. People are so friendly. We met so many nice people that we just genuinely wanted to spend time with. You ask somebody for directions, they'll like walk you to where you're going. Um, the public transit's great. One of our favorite hikes we've ever done. And we've hiked California and New Zealand and amazing places. One of our favorite hikes we've ever done was in Taipei. And there's vegan food everywhere. There's so many completely vegan restaurants. And then every single restaurant that we went to had a vegan menu. And that's, uh, they interact with 
their Buddhist religion in a different way where a large portion of the population just is vegan because of that Buddhism. And the reason that I say they interact with that faith in a different way is because there's also a lot of Buddhism in Japan. And when we went, uh, my great friend Ami uh, took us to a monk night where monks were performing and we got to speak with them through a translator. So it was hard to maybe dig in with some tougher questions because I didn't want to put that on my friend to be asking the questions. But um, the monk, I asked the monk, said, oh, you're vegan. That's amazing. Were you vegan before you became a monk? And he said, oh, I only follow those rules when I'm in my monk outfit. And I didn't realize that. I thought, I thought the kind of the monk rules happened in your life, not just when you were performing like the experience of a monk, but that's how it plays out in Japan as we saw it. Mm. And in Taiwan, there were just, there was just a lot more, there were a lot more people who just were vegan. Wow. Yeah. The, the spiritual world, you know, the people that are, deeply steeped in that world it's an interesting one for me yoga buddhism yeah uh reiki healing whatever it might be i find it interesting i was with a friend in new york he is a big uh, yogi he's he's you know into the spiritual side of things as well and he also finds it interesting that i think the first thing he learned was is it ahimsa or something? I don't. I can't remember, yep. but it's it literally translates yep. to no harm. Yep. And I think, originating from India, you know, however many years ago, this this was, I can understand because a lot of people are vegetarian in this world. I can understand that, stemming from that time, that being a vegetarian was harmless because the dairy industry wouldn't have been an industry it would have been maybe having some cows in your backyard and you you drink their milk i still find that biologically gross but i can understand that it's it's practicing a life with no harm i get that there's no actual killing of an animal to eat it uh but now the world we live in it's it's drastically different um and yeah i was having a chat with him and he said it's amazing to see yeah, the, uh, what, you, what you would think these guys practice in their daily life is really completely the opposite. He said he finds a lot of people in this world are more these locavore type people. So they'll be like, oh yeah, I, um, you know, I really try and source my meat or eggs or dairy from local places that are, you know, humane. They use all the marketing jargon that, you know, where I suppose now aware of is exactly that. It's 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 marketing to to get people to yeah side with with them to to side with their practice uh, over say factory farming. But yeah, that's that's where they kind of most of the people are in that I don't know what you that bucket. They're they're in in, in that bucket rather than what you would expect with at least vegetarian or a, or a vegan mentality when they're, when they're practicing um, Buddhism or, um, or yoga. So I was very surprised and, and interested uh, to get into that conversation with him. And it's, yeah, to me, it's just surprising. So interesting yeah. that you experienced similar things on yeah the other side of the world. Yeah, I, and it, I 
tot- that totally resonates. Mm. I love fitness. I love exercise. I'm a spin instructor and I'm in the yoga community. I've had a yoga practice for forever. And I hear yoga instructors close practices all the time saying, you know, during Shavasana, and they say this is about doing no harm and peace to all beings. And I get up out of practice and I go up to them. I'm like, oh, you're vegan too. And they're like, no. I'm like, so what did that mean? What did that, so what does that mean? What is peace to all beings? And they're like, I should be, I should be. And it's just a really, it's so interesting because I agree. I think the practice of yoga is a vegan practice. It's of doing no harm. And yet that hasn't quite clicked in, in, in the yoga community yet. I suppose it's just purely linking mainstream society now with the intended practice of when this originated. And I'm not going to attempt to, uh, you know, guess when, you know, yoga started because I, I really don't know <laughs> much about it. But yeah, it's just this, I suppose, divide between people wanting to get into, uh, yeah, a peaceful practice in mainstream society, in, in, in modern society, uh, and just having that disconnect between the two and what they really mean. So I suppose it's in itself, it's a progression for yes. people. Um, I can complete. We're we're born into a world where killing animals is normal, eating animals is normal, and if someone wants to get into yoga, you, you certainly can't stop them um, if you know if they're still eating animals. But you would think that yeah, there's a connection there. Anyway, next kind of next kind of topic I want to discuss is you know we've spoken a lot about vegan food, uh, traveling the world, and I know that when you when you first reached out to me. Uh, you were talking about, hey, I'd love to talk, I'd love to chat with you about, you know, what I'm currently doing and that's helping restaurants here in the States switch or create vegan items on a menu that's not uh, explicitly vegan. And I think it's a, it's an amazing, you know, it's an amazing piece of work you're doing because that's exactly what we need. You know, more places that are not vegan having vegan options it brings more people to the table. Like if you've got uh, non-vegan friends and you, you want to go out to lunch, great. If you've got f- uh, family that aren't vegan, you need to have those spots that kind of suit everyone's needs. Um, and yeah, you're able to, to sit at the one table happily and not have to worry about cheese or dairy in your food. So let, yeah, let us in on, on why or, or the how you, you came to the conclusion that you wanted to, to go down this path. And then what it's like to, to work with restaurants and, and implement vegan items on a, on a, a, a non-vegan place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what's really interesting is that as the vegan population gets bigger, there are a lot of people who either are vegan or love a vegan. And we notice that when we're invited out to parties or getting together with family members, usually the vegans have to decide where you eat and we call that the vegan veto right because if all we can eat is a side salad or a baked plain baked potato or something like that it 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 doesn't really work but if a restaurant does have a substantial vegan menu now everybody can eat there 
So uh, that's something that we'd been aware of for a long time. I started a while back. Uh, I realized that there wasn't a ton of information on Yelp. I forget how long ago this was now about kind of getting creative with menus. And so when we would go out to restaurants, uh, you know, I, let's see, I kind of consider it part of my duty to ask uncomfortable questions uh, because I feel like I'm clearing the way for the people who come after me and I'm not shy. So I'm happy to kind of take that on as my responsibility, right? I kind of think of it as, as paying it forward. So I get to a restaurant and I say, hey, there's nothing I can eat. Can I modify your menu and create this new dish? So that way I can eat it. And restaurants are happy to do that for the most part. And then I would go on Yelp and I would say, this is how you can eat vegan here at this restaurant that doesn't already have something vegan on the menu. And I had maybe 12 of those up, those types of reviews up, and I got 90,000 views of them in, I forget now what the number was, but in like 30 days or something, right? So like people are, clearly they must be searching the word vegan and my reviews are popping up. Totally. So I go, we're like, whoa, there's a big need for this here. And... Uh, I, it actually, one time I was in Venice beach and we went to a sandwich shop and I spoke with the restaurant. Oh, it turned out the restaurant owner. And I said, Hey, I'd like to create, like create something here. And he goes, can you tell me how it is? Because I have no idea how to make vegan food. And I was like, I didn't realize that that was something that people struggled with. So yes, I'd be happy to tell you about it. And I've got some more recommendations if you'd like to know of other ideas that you could implement based on the ingredients you already have here. And he was like, that'd be so helpful. So that was the first thing that we were like, okay, I didn't realize there was a need here. So then we talked to some of our friends who are restaurant owners in San Diego and they have a uh, very animal product based restaurant. And I talked to them and I was like, hey, just as like a business idea, is this something that would be interesting to you? And they were remarkable. They were so sweet and gave really great mentorship and they were like yeah we actually do think that this could be a really strong consulting offer again I think to a lot of vegans it sounds like you just put vegan food together and make sure it's got enough calories in it to make somebody feel full and you're good but for a lot of people who are used to designing dishes where meat is the star of the dish and you just kind of sprinkle the other stuff around it it's really confusing kind of switches the paradigm on its head so then when we were in New Zealand, we met a wonderful man named Stan who he and his wife, Natalie, own a chain of restaurants in Los Angeles, really cool coffee shop and restaurant called Two Guns. And they said, let's try this out. Let's do a vegan menu. And they created, uh, we, we worked together to create some awesome vegan dishes for them. And they, uh, those dishes did spectacularly after the launch. So from that, we realized there's, there's need here and we'd love to be out here supporting restaurants in transitioning. Uh, so th that's kind of what we're all about. And in creating a presence for attracting people who are interested in veganism, right? So through my blog, through Instagram, uh, through the different platforms that we have, we now have a an audience that we can also say we can give restaurants an extra perk if they do put ve the vegan community so strong. So if they do put some vegan options on their menu, now we're able to promote 
those new options and give them that visibility as well. Yeah, people kind of flock to the new locations. Like they get sick of that, not sick of, but like you have your go-to places and you, you definitely exhaust them. Um, I don't think most cities, like, you know, we live in Portland now where we're kind of lucky to have as many places as we do. Like we probably haven't even scratched the surface in terms of um, actually visiting places that have vegan options. But living in Boston, we definitely exhausted our, um, you know, our choices. We, we just would go time and time again to the same places. But then as soon as you heard that a place was adding, you know, a vegan sandwich or uh, a vegan menu, straight there, people go online. That's where we're talking these days. They get on Yelp. Someone searches vegan. Boom. I don't think it's surprising to me that restaurant owners don't grasp at least that fact. I, I, that That is surprising to me that they're not like knocking down your door and saying we need a vegan option um, to, to encourage those people. So having worked with restaurants now, having implemented um, options that are available to the vegan community, do you find, what have you found works better? Having a vegan menu that is just outright on its own it's different to the to the one they usually had or is it more beneficial to the business to incorporate vegan options on their regular menu it's a great question we talk about it all the time uh there are two different views so for the from the business perspective having it integrated into their menu is going to pack more of a punch because people who aren't vegan but majority of people are trying to reduce their meat intake, right? We're starting to see how horrible the health impact is and even people who really see it as kind of a cultural staple to consume animal products still are realizing that they need to integrate more plant-based foods. So that's going that's going to capture those people who kind of are scanning. They're like, oh, here's the healthy option. I'll do that. As a vegan eating... <laughs> I'm usually happier if it's a vegan menu and I can point on it and go, I want it off of this vegan menu. Please don't mix it up. Um, but, but an integrated menu, as long as you can, if you can get it right a hundred percent of the time, an integrated menu is, is going to pack more of a punch. Is the way to go. I hadn't thought about it that way, but it is nice as a vegan going to a place and you're like, boom, no worries at all. Yep. Happy days. It's tasty. It's got good reviews. That's good peace of mind yeah. for sure. And the conversation that you usually have with these guys is there... So let's say you're going to a restaurant. You know, you're doing a bit of outreach. I'm not sure if this actually happens in your practice, but I'm sure it does. If, if you go to a place and say, hey, would you be interested? How does the conversation usually transpire? Like what's the... What, what kind of blocks do they put up? What kind of roadblocks do they set themselves? Um, or, or the opposite, do they kind of dive straight in and want to learn more? What's the usual conversation? So I haven't, we haven't done a massive amount of outreach because we've been on this trip and we've really been soaking up a lot of culinary experience from different parts of the world and really wanting to understand cuisines from around the world. But what we have gotten from the small amount of outreach we have done uh, is that most restaurants have have a head chef. And I hope I don't offend anybody by saying this, but we've been told that the, uh, 
head chefs can have a lot of pride in their work and that's beautiful that's great everybody like wonderful don't mean to put anybody down for that but that it can be a little offensive to have somebody coming in and saying this is how you should design dishes at your restaurant right so they kind of go it's okay my chef will do that um and then that's where you know follow up a little while later and like how is that coming along let's look at the business impact and really being able to crunch numbers in that second wave and go make it make it a business decision is really interesting uh and and can be more compelling for certain people and that brings up another interesting point, which is something that we found out uh, during our travels. There, We found two funny groups that seemed to kind of conflict. One, we met some people, I think two different business owners, who were vegan, but, did, but their restaurants were only vegetarian because they were afraid of the business impact. And then... We met business owners who are total animal product consumers who own vegan restaurants purely for the business side of it. So I like shout out to all those, you know, vegan restaurant owners, like try it, you know, or uh, try to crunch some numbers to see what would happen because there are other people who are investing in it because uh, it's booming and because there are so many people who are interested in eating a vegan vegan food. Super interesting. I th- yeah, that is really interesting. It's like opposite perspectives of the world for them personally, but then they're operating also oppositely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we know someone, we've had someone on the podcast uh, in Melbourne. She's not a vegan herself, but she's a vegan chef and she owns to a vegan restaurant and a vegan deli wow um so she's offering you know thousands of vegan meals um she's mostly vegan but she's you know she says she's not a, a full vegan some people take offense to that but at the end of the day like what she's putting on offer is incredible um and then it is interesting what do you think that is that the 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 vegan person that owns the business is scared of offering a full vegan menu what, what what do you think that is so i think i think vegans are shamed a lot right we we get labeled as uh, like annoying vegans and pushy vegans and it's fair i'm kind of pushy and annoying sometimes and that's because i really believe in saving animal lives Uh, And being able to spread that word, right? That's huge is that I'm not, it's not just my personal choice. I'm also trying to speak for the personal choice of so many beings that are in our dominion, right? We have responsibility for them and we're, we're not taking responsibility for them. And so... So that's, that's where we're coming from, right? We're trying to speak up for these uh, sentient beings who can't speak for themselves. And so I think that there's some shame that comes with, with being vegan and providing vegan food uh, for people. I fall victim to this still, right? I bring vegan food to a party and I'm happy to share it. I also feel kind of bad, right? People are like, okay, I'll try it because you're telling me to. And then they're impressed that it's good and that's always fun. But then they eat it all and then there's none left for you. And there's none left for you. Or exactly. When I used to work a corporate yeah. job, they'd order something that was special so that I could eat something at the parties and it's gone first. And I'm like, mixed emotions, right? I'm like, I'm hungry, but that's great. I'll eat something later. Uh, I'm right there with you. <laughs> right there with you. Yep. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, I think that there's a little bit of shame. And I also think that 
it's ingrained in our culture and we're starting to move into a healthier spiritual, mental, and physical place where uh, that, that's not going to be the case anymore. Cool. Good to hear. Yeah. Good to hear. Um, I suppose what I'd love to hear about a little bit is what you think about kind of getting into veganism as in like just taking on the lifestyle and then kind of leveling up and making it, I suppose, getting active. You know, it doesn't have to be starting a business per se, but how can people in their own city uh, kind of level up a little bit? How can they get active and, yeah, cast their net a little wider? Awesome. Yeah, that was a really cool question. So getting started um, in veganism can be challenging, especially if you're not familiar with cooking your own meals and you're not maybe if you're not a foodie, right? Foodie, you kind of think about all the different aspects of food. And if you take out the animal products, you, you still understand food. So you can kind of come at it from a, from a different angle if you're doing it for yourself. Uh, I think it's really important to set yourself up with the right tools to forgive yourself if you mess up. I know I've seen so many people who feel so ashamed that in their second week of being vegan, they broke down and had a burger and it's like, yeah, that's a bummer, but like, you know, clean your body and, and move on, pick, pick it up and move on. You still saved two weeks worth of animals before that hiccup. So, you know, keep, keep going and, and support yourself with new tools. Uh, the new plant-based meats that are coming out are just insane. They're groundbreaking. They make it so if you want to break down and have a burger, you have an impossible burger and you can't tell the difference between a Carl's Jr. beef burger or impossible burger or I forget which fast food restaurant has impossible. But. Burger King has the impossible okay. burger. Carl's Jr. has the Beyond Burger. We're yet to try them, but yeah. I mean, what an amazing uh, time we're living in, right? right. Yeah. Right. Uh, download some, some apps. Get the Happy Cow app. Uh, and the Happy Cow, for people who don't know, is... Yelp for vegan food. It's amazing. It's international and pay it forward review on happy cow so that other people can pick up that information. It's so valuable to have people reviewing on happy cow. So please do that. Uh, another amazing app is a billion veg, a billion veg. Are you familiar with ABV? Okay. Nope. So they're amazing. They started in Singapore based out of Singapore. And they've got a little bit of a different tilt on it. So instead of reviewing just restaurants, you're able to actually review specific dishes at restaurants, uh, which can be really helpful, especially if it is a not, it's not a vegan restaurant, right? You can, if it just is a salad on the menu, you can be like, no, this was actually like a big bowl and it was hearty and had tofu and seeds and right. You can say all that stuff. And one of the, my favorite things about ABV, a billion veg is that they will poke you can poke restaurants and it they on your behalf send a request to please provide more vegan options so for non-vegan restaurants you can poke them through a billion veg and request that they please uh provide more vegan options so that's really awesome Those is, is that worldwide or is it yes it is it's worldwide huh cool so it started in singapore but it's a worldwide app yep Dope. Yeah, it's really cool. We'll so, have to look into that. I haven't yeah. seen it. So those two are amazing. Getting a support network, go on Facebook in your city and find your friend. There are friends. There are friends in your city. It's 
they're not message me but like most likely they're friends in your city who are already plant-based who can kind of take you under their wing and help because it's lonely to go out alone and it can feel like all your friends are going out to Korean barbecue and you just have to sit there twiddling your thumbs and you don't and there are options and there are other friends who are already uh, vegan and, and plant-based that you can connect with and then once you level up and you start getting into activism and you're feeling strong and you want to spread the message, doing that at a city level is really powerful. And that's what we're starting to see in Mountain View and Los Gatos. I have friends who are making huge waves by going to city council and from that angle, um, creating, like asking their government and their local city government to create budgets to transform cities to have vegan and plant-based initiatives and having really big success. So there's some really exciting stuff coming up in that direction. And I, for one, I, I realized the power of local government, but I hadn't ever seen it in effect. And now I feel like I'm really witnessing waves being made by just showing up to city council meetings and having people who care bring something to say and share it with people who want to do good right because that's that's what it's really about and you're getting to have these face-to-face conversations really powerful stuff awesome now there's some good takeaways i think yeah government is definitely uh, it seems like it's taking off more and more like we're seeing bills getting passed in favor of animals um california seems to be leading the way there new york also doing some cool stuff with schools um getting rid of processed meat recently in in all their public schools which is i mean that's a that's millions of meals so i mean that's a massive win for animals um i love that app i want to i want to check it out and i'm surprised we hadn't even brought up happy cow yet after talking about travel so much happy cow is a game changer without a doubt um something i want to go back to that i forgot to bring up was the sanctuary or the the nature park in thailand so you went to thailand it's in chiang mai just it's outside of chiang mai but you get to it by being in chiang mai they pick you up so a place that we really really wanted to get to we decided to keep it philippines indonesia we didn't want to you know have to I don't know. We like spending more time in places, I suppose, rather than um, only getting a couple of days in places. But this is one place on the list that, yeah, we we really wanted to get to. So I'd love for you to just tell us about uh, your experience because I imagine it would have been one of those kind of life changes. Yes, absolutely. So this is a little bit of a long story. I'll try to make it quick. Uh, there was a movie that was being presented somebody contacted me and told me to go see it in LA it was a documentary that was kind of only showing in a few theaters called love and bananas and it is uh Ashley Bell is the actress and director she's amazing Ashley I'm sorry if I'm giving you the wrong titles uh but she she's incredible and so she created with elephant nature park a documentary about saving animals have you seen love and bananas we did i'm I'm nearly certain we did it's um they really go into depth and show you what happens behind the scenes and honestly it was the first time i was learning about this kind of stuff so yeah i knew nothing about it and and so they're really powerful at uh, showing people how 
the process behind getting and getting elephants for entertainment and it's really difficult to get that information because so much of thailand's uh the money that they get from tourists is bringing tourists in to ride elephants. It's a huge component of their economy. And so the whole uh, government system there is very, very controlling of negative information about elephant riding. And it's, it's horrific. It's really sad. They're incredible creatures. They're so much smarter than people realize. Um, very sensitive, very loving, very connected to their their herd. And so uh, Lek Chalert is, a, I don't know of a word big enough for her. She's a hero and mm. she's this tiny woman who's got a heart bigger than elephants. And uh, she is saving elephants and saving them from, the, from logging and from uh, people beating them so that they can be ridden and all of that and really showing people how to treat them with love and respect and so she has elephant nature park which let's get the stats let's get the stats the numbers here so uh elephant nature park currently has is significantly over capacity they have 88 elephants 800 cats 700 dogs 300 monkeys 120 buffalo, 100 cows, and more animals. Now, uh, really big news, and I hope we're allowed to talk about it, but David Castleman, who is an American here and helped fund the uh, documentary as well, he's incredible, just donated, uh, he purchased 500 acres of elephant-perfect land that is being donated to elephant nature park. So they're going, they're going to go from 300 acres to 800 acres. It's amazing. So they're going to be able to, uh, host so many more elephants. And one of the things that's so cool about elephant nature park is not only are they rescuing elephants, not only are they making like huge strides in how people relate to elephants, they also, uh, a lot of people get excited about saving elephants, right? It's really easy. They're exotic animals. Totally, and yeah. They're so majestic, and so there are a lot of people who get really excited about saving elephants and saving dogs. Right? We relate to dogs. We love dogs, so get, we get really amped about saving dogs and elephants. And you get to Elephant Nature Park, and it's completely vegan. In fact, there are a hundred cows. And so you get people who are animal lovers who then are realizing and and hopefully that message really gets in that being an animal lover is necessarily plant-based. Yes. I mean, I'm glad I came back to this because, yeah, I think it's very, very important. And again, I think from a, a vegan perspective, it's not to bash the people that want to save elements. Elephants, I mean yes go out and save elephants that is an awesome act of kindness it's when i could imagine getting to one of these places and then yeah going to the menu and you're getting lunch and there's a cow burger it'd be like why can't we just make the connection here like why is it that difficult so this certain case I mean, the, the scale of it, number one, is freaking amazing. Like, the, 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 num- the sheer numbers that you've just reeled off to us, that is freaking incredible. Like, that's, that's a lot of animals. 
But then, yeah, to go full circle and say, hey, you know, we're really going to teach you, yeah, the what it is to be kind to all animals, not just to dogs, not just to elephants. So, I'm, I, I want to go. You can should we, go. It's we, amazing. Can we and get to Shanghai? Side note, uh, there are a lot of, so many, it's unreal, of places that call themselves elephant sanctuaries. And they'll even say, no hook, no whip, no chain. And they're not elephant nature park. An elephant nature park or an elephant nature park certified sanctuary are the only ones that we recommend going to. So, like, please contact Elephant Nature Park, actual Elephant Nature Park, to go because it's even happened to people that they land at the airport, tell the taxi driver they want to go to Elephant Nature Park. They go, okay, we'll take you to Elephant Nature Park, take them to a park, and they think they're Elephant Nature, they're they're calling themselves Elephant Nature Park the whole time, and then people are seeing hooks out and seeing the elephants being abused, and they realize after that it wasn't actually elephant nature park but again the government is really concerned with keeping the revenue moving that they they try to to sabotage uh lek and the efforts to to take care of the elephants all the time so it it sounds like a conspiracy theory i realize that but it's 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 seem that's what we're learning so it's yeah i mean it's totally plausible i i mean i'm just trying to think of ways to get around that if you if you knew where it was on the map and you get your iPhone out, even when you're in a different country, you can at least see the blue dot. I don't... I feel like service yeah. didn't work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so it's like... But but how you get around it is you organize it through Elephant Nature Park, their, their team, and then they, they pick you up from Chiang Mai and they set it up. But you just want to make sure that it's scheduled ahead of time and you know who you're really communicating with. Cool. Very good to know. Yeah. Very good to know. Yeah, I hope... I mean, that's amazing work that they're doing and I hope more people are exposed to it and I hope more people are exposed to the to the full circle of animals. Yes. You know, it's great that we want to go and help dogs. It's awesome that we want to go and help elephants. But yeah, it, it definitely becomes difficult in my mind to then want to go and eat a cow just because we're, you know, so used to it. So yeah, thanks for sharing all of, you know, your travels, your work. Uh, it's it's been an amazing conversation and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit just about you know where we can find you. I know you've got something new popping up on social media, so if you can tell us about that, that'd be awesome too. Um, but yeah, just to round things out, tell us where we can we can find you. Yeah, thank you so much. So I have two Instagram uh, handles. One is kind of lifestyle travel everything that's not exactly food and that's uh for goodness sake so it's a play on my name seika for goodness sake and it's spelled s-e-y-k-a yeah. yes that's my name right exactly. and then the handle yeah. is s-e-y-k-s so uh and then the foodie account is all vegan food so that's for goodness sakes underscore foodie uh my blog www.forgoodnesssakes.com slash blog and there I have recipes favorite cheeses to order um uh, all sorts of different stuff and a blog on each of the different countries that we've been to on this last trip and then um 
I have big news. I'm really, really excited. So as we were traveling, we went to so many restaurants and we actually have uh, about 150 to 200 videos that we're having edited right now. Originally, I was trying to edit them while we were on our trip and video editing takes so much time and so much skill that I don't have. Yep. And so that I had just had, yeah, I had to ask uh, somebody else to join our team and to, and to do work on that. And so I'm really excited to announce that we are going to be starting our YouTube channel probably next week. We'll launch our first video. And of course we'll promote that on Facebook, Instagram, and the blog. So that's cool. what's up. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'll definitely be subscribing yes. to, to that channel and checking <laughs> it out. No, thank you for joining us on the green couch. I've just realized that we've got a green couch and that goes pretty well with vegetables so and, uh, and and veg talk. Maybe we could make, you know, Rich Roll. Yeah. Yeah. So Rich Roll, his studio seems like this kind of this place that's like, oh, Rich Roll's studio or like Gary V's office in New York or something like that. Maybe we can make the green couch, the veg talk couch. We'll... Uh, We'll see what we can do with that. But thank you for coming. Uh, thank you for reaching out and telling us that you were coming to Portland. I really do appreciate that. And uh, yeah, guys, go and check Saker out. Brian features in, uh, in the travels as well. So go say hi. Go give him a follow and uh, let us know what you thought. So yeah, we'd love to, love to hear your thoughts on uh, this conversation. Thanks very much. Safe travels. Move to Portland, move to Vancouver, and hopefully we can hang out a little bit more in the future. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. I love your podcast, and I'm really excited to get to be a part of it now. Thanks so much. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for hanging out today. It was a fun one with Seika. I hope you enjoyed the episode as well. If you are traveling soon, make sure you get the Happy Cow app. You can't really go wrong. And if you're going to more remote areas, try getting an Airbnb with a kitchen so you can cook up meals and you've got a little bit more control over the food that you will be having when you're away. Don't forget, we now have a website called vegtalk.com. We have each episode in English and Spanish. Uh, there's also a blog component. So we are putting up recipes uh, from us and also our contributors. We're uploading to YouTube regularly and also to Facebook. And we're obviously on Instagram at VegTalk as well. So whichever platform you enjoy hearing from us the most, go in, follow, subscribe, help us out uh, and share some of the content that we're putting out into the world. We really do appreciate your help. Next week, we are chatting with someone who Anna and I recently met in our building. He grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist family in Florida, a predominantly vegan food. Uh, but he did stray away from this lifestyle in his early 20s. So after meeting him about two and a half weeks ago, we were chatting about the Game Changers movie. Uh, Phil decided he was going to go back to vegan food. Uh, he got his blood work done and he's going to see how he goes over a three month period. So we're going to do a podcast for next week's show. Then again in three months time to see how he's gone over that 12 week period. Uh, so it's something a little bit different than usual, but I hope you enjoy uh, what we're cooking up for you. See you all next week, mates. As you know, I always say, keep it plant-based and we'll see you next week.